By speaking with local creators, artists, and business professionals, Papercut aims to cut deep and demystify the Winnipeg creative industry with hometown heroes and hidden gems. Brought to you by the West End Cultural Center, the best place for over 30 years to see live music in Winnipeg. Welcome to Papercut Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Eric Olick. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Just a little bit. Just a little bit? Yeah. Just a little um, bit. I am a t-shirt jockey, if you go by what my Instagram handle says, but I feel like I do a little bit more. Um, I own a shop in the exchange called Friday Nights. It's a clothing brand slash um, lifestyle spot slash community in general. I do a bit of event coordinating. Um, and just other fun projects that bring people together. So tell us more about Friday Nights. Where did it start? And yeah, where did this idea kind of grow? Uh, so that's that's one I get asked a lot, obviously. It's like the first introductory question. We got to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it started back in 2011 when I was like 21 years old. And it was just kind of uh, came from the need to do something that was outside of the scope of what I was doing at the time. I was, um, like, fresh out of, like, a lot of trouble and working at a convenience store, which is basically the only job I could get off, like, at the time, um, and just not not in the best place. I saw a lot of people I knew um, doing positive things for for their community and it it kind of inspired me to try to do something similar um and i always thought i could dress well even though i i did not know how to dress well i was wearing dickies and matching my hat to my sneakers and i thought that was style but um (laughs) i mean it got me it got me to make my first run of 300 t-shirts and uh we started selling them out of the trunk of a friend's car just at hip-hop shows like people would be outside smoking and be like, "Hey, you got twenty bucks," um, and then it just kind of like steamrolled. Really, like uh, we got in trouble for doing it one time. They told us we had to pay for a table and come sell T-shirts inside. Oh, you couldn't do it out of the back of your trunk anymore. No, <laughs> so uh, one hundred fifty bucks. I think we did a Mad Child and Red Man show, which is a really weird combination. Great show, uh, and lost money, but. That's how we started getting into, like, the hip-hop scene was through that first show. And before you know it, it was every show. Like, any time a hip-hop artist came to Winnipeg, we would, you know, either pay the fee and set up a table. Eventually, they wouldn't even charge us. People just asked us to come out because they were used to seeing us out. Um, I hosted a couple rap battles uh, with my friend uh, Tyler Rogers. You guys know as Charlie Feta. Um and just got to know everybody through through that, and people would just you know, two two shirts for thirty bucks. I was I was just knocking stuff out for like nothing. I, like I said, I was losing money at first, um, but there wasn't a show in Winnipeg that we weren't at. You know, between two thousand eleven and uh, two thousand fourteen. When when you started the company, did you always have in your mind that you wanted to align with the hip hop genre? Yeah, I think right from the bat. Yeah, like, that's something that I resonated with like immediately. Um, and I was actually really inspired. I, I went out with my cousin one night, and this was before I started Friday Nights. And he took me to, God, I can't even remember the name of the club at this time. Um, but it, it was uh, the launch party for some uh, local entertainment company that was trying to bring, you know, artists here. And I, and I met a few people that, you know, were in the scene doing the thing th- that I didn't know at the time that I, I know very well now. Um, but it inspired me to see other people like making moves, you know, and, and doing stuff that wasn't necessarily traditional. And I was like, this is cool, you know, and it's all about like relationship building and networking and meeting people. And, and that's what I've become very passionate about more so than hip hop actually is, is just bringing people together and building relationships. Nice. So what were the designs of your first shirts that you were setting um, out? And also how did you make them? They, uh... They all had the same design on them. Or there's two designs, three designs. Okay, I'm selling myself <laughs> short here. We had three. We had some options. Most of them had uh, just the same old English FK logo that we used to use. And it was uh, very, like, gothic-looking almost with a shield and two swords crossing through, like, an old English F and K. And we had, like, 300 in total. And it was just a bunch of different colorways. 
and I just started Googling things like, just, uh, where do I get t-shirts made or where do I get shirts printed or where do I get tags? And, um, we were getting stuff from five or six different companies and I had to, I didn't have a car at the time. Like it was my buddy Gareth's car we were selling t-shirts out of. So he would get off work, come pick me up and whip me around the city before I had to be at work at 2 PM so that we could pick up tags from one guy, get blank shirts from another guy, go get it screen printed at this place. And, um, I think we probably overpaid for everything because you, <laughs> you don't know anybody, you don't know anything. Like you're so green that you just you know, want to make something happen that you just throw money at it. And that money was my student line of credit, um, which I didn't end up using for school. So, <laughs> so you were saying you're, you're in the hole, your first couple of shows that you had gone to. How do you stay motivated? You know, if you're losing money going to events and such, like, what do you keep reminding yourself? Um, I mean, back then it was all about like having the opportunity to get a t-shirt to somebody um, that was making noise in, in the music industry. You know, so if I was going to set up at uh, a Redman show or a Swollen Members concert or um, whoever was coming here back in those days, like for me, it was more about the opportunity um, to build with others. Like if I <clears throat> meet three people today, you know, that that I can work on something cool with in the future or, you know, who might resonate with something that I'm doing like that to me is a win. You know, like if it cost me 100 150 bucks and I sold, you know, three t-shirts and made and again they were 20 bucks back in the, in that time. So, you know, you don't even make half your money back, but uh we got a t-shirt to so and so and that picture to me was worth everything, even a grainy Blackberry photo or whatever it was in 2012. <laughs> yeah. So what was the feeling or how did the situation come up that you made your like first dollar like holy shit we we Past breaking even, like we made money tonight. Um, God, I mean, there was there was a few nights where it was just really crazy, and a lot of it was like local, like to my neighborhood. Like I grew up in Transcona, and a lot of people from like everybody in Transcona, it was a uniform there, right? If 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 I knew somebody who was doing a show there, um, I, I knew we'd do well. But it, it really like took off uh, in. A couple different, so it really took off in a couple different events, like that I can pinpoint it at. Uh, one was an event we did called "Don't Feed the Animals," which um, my idea for growing the brand. This is our first ever like clothing release party or anything. Was to bring in different artists from each corner of the city and let them bring their people out to introduce, you know. Friday nights to the North End. Let's introduce Friday nights to Elmwood. Let's introduce Friday nights to you know the the rock community. Mm -hmm. um, so we had a band, uh, the McLean Brothers. I don't oh, know, uh, so this is a while ago, <laughs> and uh, uh, my my buddy Dylan Harrison, who uh, goes by the name of White Rhino. Um, who else do we have on the show? Uh, we had we had a bunch. We had we had a good handful of people on the show, and it. We packed the Oak in Transcona with like 700 people. And uh, yeah, we moved a lot of t-shirts that night. <laughs> and what year was this? You started in 2011? Yeah, that was, was 2000, 2012. 2012. Oh, oh, oh right after. Yeah. yeah, I mean, not to say that every event after that was like, or every time right. we set up was a smashing success, right? Like we still went to rap battles with uh, totes full of t-shirts and, you know, slugged them for 20 bucks or whatever. But like that was the first one where everybody showed up in a Friday night shirt, and uh, we really, really felt like we made some noise. Even, even though anytime you do something, like if you make noise, it's gonna quiet down eventually, right? Mm -hmm. And then you just gotta, you know, get back at it and keep doing it. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, oh shoot, I did have a good question and I lost it. I'm sorry. It happens. Okay. I'll pick it up. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about physical store space. Oh, I have a good one. Okay, I'll Sick. let you. Okay, so now that those designs are no longer running, do you see? Yeah. Do you see them like at thrift stores or something? Mm. Like some of your old ones? Have you come across them and been like seen them? I have. Yeah. Question. I have actually, <laughs> and um, I have had people 
send me photos uh, of them thrifting and coming across uh, um, old ones, which is always great. <laughs> like, especially the really old ones. Like, if you can find, like, an old English Friday Night's Tea, to me, that's, like, a holy grail of... Because I don't even have one anymore. And oh, really? I, I used to, like, oh. I used to save one of everything, and I still have a pile of our old T-shirts in my closet just for memories, right? But I don't even have the uh, first original one. Um... I had one and I gave it to my grandpa for Christmas. I was in a jam. I was like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> he, wear, he wears it. <laughs> so do you want one? Um, yes. What would you pay for one? Uh, what is your top dollar? Oh. If somebody found it in OG Friday nights. Oh, if they wanted to dangle it in front of my face. Like, <laughs> as fr- you do. Yeah. Uh, I'd, go as, I'd go as high as 40, which is double what I used to oh, sell yeah, them yeah, for back so, in the yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know. That's fair. You, you That's do. double. You're making... You're making a so profit. people who thrift, or you can make money off of Eric. Yeah, you don't has want to be anymore. has to be an OG old English Friday night's tea, preferably black with minimal cracking on the graphic. Yeah, I was gonna say what, <laughs> okay, what, what yeah, condition yeah. you know yeah. are you willing to spend? Up you're to just gonna like, take on? your gloves out, your monocle, take a look. <laughs> I'd like it to be a seven it. out of ten if I'm paying forty bucks for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah. True, that's true. double. Yeah, that's that's, that's um, crazy price. That's good money. I want to talk about physical store space. Where are you set up? Uh, we're in the Exchange District, so 223 McDermott Avenue. And um, how is it in the Exchange, you know? It's it's a great neighborhood. Yeah. Is it a fantastic spot to set up a shop? It is. It's, it's expensive. Like, any time, like, you talk to an accountant or, you know, a business advisor, the lease will kill you. That's all they always tell you. The lease will kill you. Um, but it's it's been really good. Like, we've been there for 20 months now. Uh, I sound like a, yeah, a, a parent, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, forty-eight months. Um, yeah, and it's been uh, it's been really good. We've gotten a chance to almost create like a little hub in in the Exchange District, where you know we're on the corner of McDermott and Albert. Uh, Saint Barbershop is right there. Ordinary's right there. La Carnita is around the corner. The Vintage Saint is right around there. Um, so there's a lot of spots like. Uh, in the area or in like the big buildings that you know uh once used to be the bait medical building or you know whatever there now it's all studio space and creatives and um people doing really cool things and uh it's it's been great to be a part of that community for sure that's awesome yeah uh, park parking sucks but yeah uh, it's there's, terrible <laughs> there's bike there's bike lanes now though <laughs> just bike down there yeah. it's worth yeah. it and there's there's racks Lock up. There's racks. <laughs> yeah, things are yeah, great. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually just uh, I stumbled upon that space after a couple pop up shops because um, we uh, we had two pop up shops in 2016. One of which ended up getting like broken into, completely gutted twice in ten days, and that sent me right back to selling T-shirts out of my apartment. Oh, and no. it was pretty surreal to go from like. You know, one extreme back to like, oh, this is basically where I started. Hmm. You know, like square was one. Was that the the pop up? Was it like on Graham? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we had. Uh, there was like a GoFundMe for that too, wasn't there? Uh, somebody Something started like one. I asked them to take it down. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. We did. Uh, we ended up doing like um, a thing where we just needed to sell seventy hoodies to break even, and we did that. But then we got broken into again, so oh it didn't. You know, was, uh, no. No. pretty devastating. It was pretty crazy, but you know what? Honestly, um, so much better for it. And I find it's it's those moments where you really have little to work with that your brain kind of kicks it into overdrive. And especially if you're a creative, uh, you know, a creative entrepreneur, a creative professional, like that's like your time to shine it's like okay how do i figure this out now right yeah um and for me it was yeah just i set up a, i installed some shelving in my bedroom i uh <laughs> i focused on getting my website online um and then uh i started looking for pop-up shop space again when i was ready but um that's also when i started getting into events because it was just like uh, you need to you need to make money okay mm-hmm. like what can you do and before you know it, I got a. I'm looking for pop up shop space in the exchange. I wanted to spend my my summer there in 2016, and I gave up. I couldn't find anything. And not two days after I stopped looking, I got a phone call from my friend Leonard Taylor, uh, who used to have his store in my space. And he told me he was expanding. He needed something bigger. He was moving down the street, and 
said he wanted to give it his space to somebody who could grow into it. And I signed a lease like two weeks later. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's amazing. I also had like no money when I signed a lease either. I was like, I'll make them all. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh the space that you're using now, what else, what is all in there? Like, what is the experience when you walk into that store? We have a great mix. Um, when it started out, it was pretty empty. And, you know, it's taken, you know, the 20 months that we've been in there to kind of make it the space that we've wanted it to make from day one. But everything from our own product that, that we've been doing, you know, like Friday Night's brand to uh, Winnipeg's first sneaker consignment service which has been a lot of fun we have about a, a hundred to 120 pairs of uh, retro and limited sneakers in there at any given time Whoa. Uh, as well as a bunch of vintage um, jerseys old band t-shirts uh, we sell spray paint paint markers other art supplies uh, and then yeah just like a bunch of like cool and clever installations that have either been you know done by myself or my good friend Peter Thomas and then in the back is a shared studio space for Peter and I. So it's uh, it's quite uh, quite a mix of stuff going on. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to talk um, because I was actually uh, out with a friend and he had mentioned the sneaker con- uh, consignment. Yeah. And kind of opened me up to a world where like I never knew about buying, buying sneakers and stuff like that. Like, there's a huge market for that. How did you break into that? It's mind blowing. It's just unreal. for starters, <laughs> yeah. like the market is mind blowing. And I used to collect sneakers when I was younger, uh, like, and I ended up giving all my pairs away. I had no idea what these things were, you know, worth. Like you stand in line for them, you get them. Like for me, I wear my shoes. I beat them to hell, and uh, <laughs> and then I'd throw them away or give them away. Um, but yeah, like people will wait in line for hours on end and then once something's released and sold out it'll sell for double triple quadruple the retail price um i actually broke into the market kind of on a fluke uh i was opening the store and i knew that i wanted to have something other than the brand to kind of take up space in the shop that was also going to bring people through um and i was like why not get like See if I can get like 10 pairs of shoes in here. Like really, really hyped up stuff that people would just want to come look at. Um, Yeezys or, uh, you know, some crazy rare Jordans. And I just like put them on the wall, not even sell them. So I went to a sneaker market. Uh, it was probably like two weeks before the store opened. What's a sneaker market? Uh, so I think it was called the Ultimate Sneaker Show. They did it at the convention center. But it's basically um, in the sneaker community, they're called meetups. And people go to a lot of them happen at churches or community centers and people have booths and they just sell sneakers trade sneakers you see kids walking around with like three boxes of shoes that they brought from home to see if they can kind of like finesse a good trade out of somebody everybody's always looking for a come up that's another term they use is a a come up if you find something dope at the thrift store that you know you're gonna make a good buck on like that's a come up right Mm -hmm. um so yeah, that's basically what it is. And it was a big one. Uh, some guys in Toronto organized it, uh, and it was at the convention center. It's like 20 bucks entry at the door. I heard about it like two days before, and I was like, okay, like this might be worth checking out. Um, so I went, and I, I went booth to booth, just checking out people's sneakers. And I was in awe at some of this stuff. But I met uh, a YouTuber, and his name's Tom Stefaniak. And... Tom ended up being becoming a very good friend of mine, but uh, I didn't know at the time is that Tom's YouTube channel had a, a pretty good sized following uh, when we were when we were talking, and we ended up meeting to s- discuss him dropping some shoes off in my store. So he comes into my store with I don't know twenty boxes of shoes, throws them on the ground. He's got a camera in his hand the entire time, <laughs> and he's like filming and talking super fast and like really like. <laughs> radio we like hey guys what's up you know and i'm like oh my like he's on it right <laughs> and uh that's pretty good though if you wanted to start a channel um so yeah he uh he came in he dropped these kicks off and posted this video i didn't even know he posted this video the next day i had no joke 60 70 kids coming to the store 
Really? Yeah. Directly to, to like, look at that. to look at these twenty pairs of shoes that they already seen on a video. Wow. That they knew they were size twelves. They knew exactly what shoes they were because they were all on this video, but they still came into the store to look around because they saw that these shoes had been dropped off there. And immediately I was like, oh my god. <laughs> like, How many hits did the video get? Uh, thousands. Um, <laughs> you should check it out after. Yeah, yeah we'll you guys, that in the comments. If you guys want to learn a lot about sneakers, follow my friend Tom's uh, YouTube channel. That's Tom Stefaniak on YouTube. It's, it's a, super entertaining. It's like a sneaker... No, thing? you know what? He started out with sneakers, but he's he's going very lifestyle, and uh, you know, just anything from like trips to New York or L.A. Like a lot of it's you know shoe or product related, but he's he does a lot of fun stuff, and it's pretty entertaining. Did to watch. he just go with Peter? He did, yeah. Okay, because I was watching Peter's stories about this guy that people kept on like taking, taking photos, photos oh, with him. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So dude's that. hella famous, like yeah. in it's the so in that world, right? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So he he came in, he dropped those off, and next day it was it was insane to see the response so we worked something out with him and uh he kept bringing shoes in and then other people started calling the store and they're like hey like will you take my shoes i was like yeah bring them down we'll figure it out mm-hmm. and at first we had no it's like we got an excel spreadsheet we got to figure this out now right yeah, yeah you're messing with other people's inventory but now we have it like really wired in and we were the first uh in winnipeg to really capitalize on um that that secondhand market right and a lot of it is guys trying to get rid of sneakers that they don't want, and you don't want to like toss them, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and it's and and people will buy them like if they're in good condition. A lot of them are brand new, never worn out the box, uh, and it's better than you know passing money up the the corporate ladder, right? Yeah. You know, you're giving it to somebody else, and mm-hmm. they're gonna use it to get something they really want. Like summertime, we always see a big influx because it's time people are like, oh, let me get rid of these shoes because I need to get these shoes, right? Yeah. So. That's so interesting. And do lots of people know that about your store? Uh, I think it's it's pretty well known. Like at at this point, yeah. Like we we started off almost immediately after opening. Oh, okay, but, nice. Uh, my burning question: What's the most popular size? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, what can you charge? Like, would you charge the same for a size nine as you would a size eleven? Um, size 13s and size 8s go for more money than anything else. Really? Yeah. 13s like and 8s. The harder sizes to find. Or like 11 oh. and a halfs. That's a weird size. And for some reason, like, it goes for more money than, you know, an 11 would. In our store, we mostly have 10, 10 and a half. Like, we got some 12s. Like, nobody ever brings in 9s for whatever reason. Like, 9s and 9 and a halfs, if you're listening to this, you know, <laughs> come down to 23 McDermott. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that's been uh, that's been a lot of fun, and that's really opened me up to another subculture that I knew existed, but I never really tapped into. And um, like just the community aspect of like people who don't know each other will come into my store and start twenty thirty minute conversations based on shoes on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like another language. And doing it for you know the past almost two years, like as hard as I've been doing it. I'll find myself in conversations with people about shoes and be like, what did I just say? Like, I, I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> just like a lot of lingo involved in it? Yeah, just the knowledge, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, so interesting. Yeah, it's really cool. That's a really cool subculture. So on that note, as an entrepreneur, are you always looking for that next foray or that next venture <clears throat> that you could be going into? Uh, yes and no. I'm. I've had you know, offers and opportunities to do stuff that's way out of my realm. And, you know, while I always consider every opportunity, I do like to stick to a certain, um, I, I guess, niche, you could call it. And it, it's more so just about doing the things that I like to do. You know, it's uh, whatever's going to make me happy. Like Friday nights was for, for a very long time, like a therapy thing for me too. And you know, we just we put a lot out and wear wear a lot on our sleeve with what we're doing with that. And the sneaker thing kinda went hand in hand with how we're about like building relationships and, and building community as opposed to just like, you know, pushing merch. Um so so that's that's what I liked about that too. And you know, there's other things that I, I do want to get involved in and I think the cornerstone of all of it is is really like the people that are involved in it and not necessarily what it is, but like 
the people, the culture, the community. Like that that is what's gonna drive what I do and why I do it. So how uh, how much time a week do you spend in the shop? Oh my god. <laughs> do you just live there? It's easier to ask me how much time a week I spend at home because yeah. I I can tell you probably two hours a day before bed. Um, so I'd, pro- I'd say probably like 14 hours a day in the shop at least. 14? Yeah. Except Sundays. Like, <laughs> seriously. <we're> here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're closed Mondays. I'm still there. But uh, Sundays is kind of like I've given myself a designated day off. Mm-hmm. You know, unless we have some crazy stuff to plan for. Like, I'm, I just don't go there. I take that, you know, space. Yeah. And also having that studio space, does that kind of keep you there? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, uh, like, Peter and I both have workstations in there, and he's the easiest guy to, like, be around all the time, too, and we we get along, we have a great dynamic, Um, so it's just, I know he's going to be there all the time, I'm there all the time, it's just, it's fun, right? It's a good hangout, we have friends with studio space in the area, they'll come by the shop, drop in, say hi, before you know it, you're just, um, you're, like, wrapped up in it, but... Who are some of those artists that have studio space in the area that, like, come in? Uh, I mean, like, Fourth Quarter Records, uh, so Tony, Charlie Feta, uh, BBS, like, Three Pete, those guys, um, they're basically right across the street from us and up the stairs, uh, so that's, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of them come through. Gary Street Coffee's down the street, so, like, that's another spot that we'll go to and frequent, we see a lot of people we know going in there, um... Yeah, it's just uh, like a community vibe, right? Yeah. So like hanging around the shop, you don't ever have to look for anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you just uh, kind of comes to you. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would say uh, <coughs> at least 14 hours a day between um, managing shop stuff, trying to work on other creative projects, and uh, doing the thing that nobody, that no creative professional actually enjoys is the business side of things. <laughs> so. And you're immersing yourself in that. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the business side of things that, like, what are the downfalls of owning your own business? Like, there's the, the all those positive things, the community and the shoes and, the, like, all of the good stuff. But yeah. what are, like, the not-so-good things, like, the harder parts of it? Yeah. Uh, and that's why I like to use the word create, creative professional is because there's a line that can be drawn in between, you know, that term, right? Where on one side there's the creative and fun parts and, and the stuff that really pushes you to do it and then on the other side there's you know you got to make sure that everything gets paid on time you got to manage your uh you know uh, sorry manage your accounts your payment deadlines uh taxes books you know like all the things that you need to make sure that you're staying on top of that kind of it's it's not creative at all you know it's just you need to do it mm-hmm. um and some some people I know for a fact get like a thrill out of that alone, right? <laughs> and I'm Sorry. starting to find I'm that that's how I'm trying to get better at it is I'm I'm starting to find the little, you know, nuances of oh, this could be this is fun. You know, like there's little pockets of fun within within running a business. Um the business side of things that I think if you focus on those then it makes it a little bit a little bit better. So what are one of the things that you focus on? <laughs> oh, Tax so, write-offs or like... Uh, yeah, no. Uh, yes yeah. and no. Uh, I, I'm the worst for being one of those people that just throws money at problems if if I can. You know, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, just, just pay for it. Uh, you know, instead <laughs> of like, if you have too much else going on. But when you really sit down and look at things, I can be like, oh, okay. Like what blew my mind is we spent... $600 on paper bags last year. <laughs> what? You know? <laughs> so, when I when I found out I could save $35 a year by switching providers, you know, I'm like, okay, this is cool, this is cool. You know, like when I noticeably, like, saved my business money or uh, found a, a better or more efficient way to do things, like, I get a little bit of uh, inside, you know, like, childlike joy out of that yeah that's awesome that's awesome um i want to talk about something that you had mentioned where you set aside a designated day to just relax as a creative professional when did you find out that you needed like a day 
for yourself? Like, were you just running seven days a week all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, that was a stressful question. Like yeah. a flashback to <laughs> largely <laughs> to, days to, to the hustle. Um, well, when we opened the store, that was when things got real for me. Like you always see these internet memes and like uh, or like quotes about um, the sixteen, eighteen hour days of being an entrepreneur, and I never quite understood it. I'm like, oh, like I balance this perfectly fine. I go to my job from two to ten, and I, you know, I work on this before I go to work. And but that was that was Friday nights being a hobby, you know. And then the second we took it full time, like that's when it got crazy. Even before we opened the store, we were doing, you know, pop up shops, and uh, we were doing a lot of wholesale at that time. Like that was every single day. That's when the eight hour days turned to. 12-hour days, and the 12-hour days turned to 16-hour days, you know. And when we opened our shop and took on, like, again, the the business entity that that, that, that entailed, um, that's when all of a sudden I stopped communicating with people that I, that I loved, you know. Like, I would only see people that were at the shop, you know, like, or that were coming to the shop to, to lend a hand when we were trying to get it open. You know, it was like, you know, 14, 16 hours every day with uh, me and a few friends, like painting the ceiling, renovating, making everything look nice. And then you finally get it open and you're trying to like, those first few months are crucial, right? And just trying to make everything perfect and get everything dialed in before you know it. Like weeks go by, like I was having conversations with people that I loved and I'd zone out mid-convo, you know, like, and I'd be thinking about work, looking right into their eyes, but seeing straight through them, you know, and that went on for months, like, probably, like, six, eight months, and I I don't remember a lot from, like, that six months, because it was just head down, like, focused on work, and focused on building, and focused on growth, and I didn't take any days off, and when I finally like got like rattled to the fact that like okay like you need to um like get it together uh i i poured it all into you know a collection that we released last year called heart of the city and it was all about like self-care and uh you know it kind of the purpose of the collection that we released was to draw attention to the fact that we spend more time you know focusing on uh, our cell phones or whatever anybody else is doing or you know what society expects of us as opposed to you know what's right in front of us and what really matters and um, I, I worked through it you know artistically I guess through that and uh, you know I tried to set an example for myself I guess through through the product we released and f- give myself kind of like a, something to follow or something to you know, and that's that's to me anyway. When when we really, I I really started to put my self care on a higher priority and at least just take a day. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you wanted to just like give a quick like, what is a as a new entrepreneur? What's like a tip for like self care? And then also as friends of somebody who's starting a business. What is a tip for like them to be able to be like a supportive friend or family member? Um, I think like a tip for self-care, 100% for me, is having something that gives you, like if you are a, a very like highly driven or motivated creative or entrepreneur, having something that gives you the feeling of achievement that is not work-related or having something that is not work-related that you know can give you that joy because for me uh when friday nights was my entire life if something went wrong everything went wrong you know like it i didn't feel like uh oh, work sucked today it was like life sucks today mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um when i started coordinating events that gave me something else you know friday nights wasn't having a great month like I was having a blast over here, you know, coordinating the Winnipeg Santa Claus Parade. Um, you know, there's always something that kind of gave me, 
you know, joy. If one sucked, the other was doing okay, right? Mm-hmm. If both sucked, I had to get it, get it together. <laughs> um, uh, but also, I started running, and that, that was big for me too because uh, running gives me, uh, like I mentioned, it gives you a, a sense of accomplishment or achievement, whereas, like, when you're working as an entrepreneur, it's very, you know, accomplishment-driven, and if I feel like I've taken two steps back today instead of one step forward, I'm not going to be in the best mood. But if I've already went for, you know, a five kilometer run and I feel like I've achieved something, then I go into work with a completely different mindset. Like I'm not thinking I need to achieve today. I'm just thinking, all right, let's get stuff done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just having that outlet, I think, is important. Um, Just as Friday nights is a creative outlet for for myself, I think that you need to have an outlet away from that. It's, yeah. Interesting. your time. Outlets. Yeah. Um, On Winnipeg companies think of all of the winnipeg based companies you know what would you want to do the most outlandish friday nights winnipeg company collab the most outlandish friday nights winnipeg company collab um <laughs> can we do some nygaard slims oh no, no. <laughs> um <laughs> might get sued for that yeah, yeah but just like the the sk let's bleep, the... Out, let's bleep out peter nygaard's name in here <laughs> yeah. so that you guys don't take any heat yeah but you could just put the fk on like the the back pocket you know yeah. but of like a nice pair of I, I was thinking uh salisbury house that was the first one that came to mind yeah, yeah. nygaard is funnier <laughs> the salisbury house collab would be dope that would be yeah get the red roof on a t-shirt um Yes. Oh, I was thinking the other way around, like, stamping the burger with, like, uh, <laughs> Ooh, wow. you know, like, I thought the other way around, Whoa. not them coming to you, but you going to them. That'd be huge, though. That'd be ridiculous. That would be very cool, actually. Um, I'm <laughs> always, looking, yeah, always just... looking for stuff like that to, uh, to work on. Uh, outlandish, though. <laughs> or or it could be completely in your realm, but yeah, just like you, maybe even a, a Winnipeg company you'd want to work with or associate with. Yeah, um, like the Bay, I think is very like uh, OG, like Winnipeg. You know, like that's. I think that would be cool doing something with them. Uh, I wonder I, if you could. Who do you talk to about that? If somebody knows, let us know. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> yeah. If you were like sliding the DMs. If we wanted to get into the bay, I'm saying we as no, yeah. one of your business partners. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to get into the bay, but oh. I mean, like, do a collaboration with the bay. Oh yeah. Like, like on a piece of clothing. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. You know, so, like a wool something with <laughs> oh. those like red, yellow, green, yeah, blue yeah. stripes. Yeah. Like yeah. A wool T-shirt. So, uh, that, that would be, be comfy. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you do some community work with Friday Nights? Uh, like, well, you have, like, other artists that are designing your shirts and stuff like that, right? And yeah. And then you put on some events? It's cool. Like, we, it's it's a very collaborative business, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that we just like to work with cool people and do cool things, you know, and that's uh, kind of, like, just the the business plan, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, so my, my good friend Peter Thomas, he, he designs everything. Like, from a sketch that I'll give him. Like, most of my sketches are very process-looking. You know, napkin sketches, receipts. Like, back before I we had a store, I'd work at a convenience store. I'd drop, you know, the broom that I was pushing to go and, like, draw on the back of a receipt real quick. And uh, I'd give it to Peter. And then Peter will vectorize it, live trace it, make it look a million times better. And that's what we'll use for a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's... That's uh, the biggest, I guess, collaborative force that we have going. Right, right. But yeah, we'll do uh, we'll do events in the shop sometimes. We'll bring in artists who are looking for a spot to, you know, do their album release or listening parties. And it's it's usually just like f- friends and people we work with or people who we've watched grow over the years. Uh, and there's there's good synergy there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, collaboration is huge. Like we've done, you know, we joked about Nygaard and Sal's, <laughs> but we've done stuff with uh, Fort Gary Brewing. Um, the oh, you have a beer out right now with them, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, I saw it last night. Second year in a row, actually. Really? Yeah. So is that just a limited run, like for a month, or? Um, I don't know. Last year it sold out in like a month. Oh, cool. Which was really cool. And then this year, I think they made a lot more of it uh, because they said it did really well, which is good. Uh, 
So there's still some. I know, like, I got some at the Osborne Village liquor mart the other day. So there's still some there if you're interested in trying it out. Yeah, uh, yeah just that kind of stuff. Like, you know, there's there's a few other little projects that I want to do that are completely not clothing-related this year that I think um, will be a cool way to showcase, like, what we enjoy, you know? like, And, and when I say we, like... Friday nights is a driving force that's, you know, it's not just myself. It's, you know, it's Peter. It's Pauline, who's our operations manager. It's Caduce, who comes in on Saturdays to handle the sneakers. It's my kid brother, my friend Josiah Capani, my uh, good friend Tommy. Like, there's so many people, you know, behind what we do. And whether or not they've ever designed a T-shirt or whatever, like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it takes a, it takes a village, as they say, I guess, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have any other questions? No. No. That, that was yeah. a beautiful yeah, that was, that note was a, to end it on, and then we though. start blabbing. Yeah. We're annoying. Yeah, we, we are annoying. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric. Yeah, and, thanks for having yeah, me. For, for everything. I, I think um, something I want to ask you just before you leave, like, if you're starting a business in Winnipeg, where is, like, the first place you want to start? Or you should start? Uh, having the knowledge you have. It... it the first place that you should start if you're starting any business, I guess, not just in Winnipeg, um, is just making sure that it's something that you can do forever, you know? Or I wouldn't... Well, scratch that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's got to do a business forever. I, I don't know if I'll do this forever. I, um, but but you could, I guess. <laughs> I could, yeah. If I really could. Um, it's more of... Ah, that's a tough question, actually. <laughs> Save the best for last. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good one. <laughs> um, yeah, got me. Yeah. You well, I mean, me. like, what would you go back and tell yourself with what you know now? Like, what would your advice to 2011 Eric be? Oh, okay. That that's a lot easier. Um, if if you're if it's a product based business, uh, inventory management and cash flow management are like going to be your biggest assets, um, or your worst enemy if you're bad at them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like as a designer, anyway, too. Like that's what you always run into. Like in fashion, you have to put something out. It's it's cyclical. It's you know, every season, spring, summer, fall, winter, new product, and it's expected of you as a brand. And it's because of uh, the larger working world of, you know, fashion and streetwear where you have to sell product to retailers six months in advance so that they can have it on their shelf for the season that it's due for. So there's always these seasonal pressures on brands to, to release product. And if you spend too much money or you stock too much inventory on a season. If I like blow my budget on spring and all of a sudden you won't, you only sell half fit or a quarter of it or whatever, summer rolls around, you don't got enough money to put out a summer collection and you're still sitting on a bunch of old stuff that's not cool anymore. So that has been like, that was the biggest learning experience for me like in the beginning because too often I would just like go all in on something and then you know, next season to come around, people will be like, when's the new stuff dropping? When's the new stuff coming out? Like, uh, like, soon. <laughs> so, yeah, like, learning to manage uh, manage inventory just to kind of fall in line with the expectations, like, your external, like, uh, pressure and expectations from the industry itself, yeah. I guess, uh, was the biggest thing for me. And I spilled coffee on my sock but I didn't get your I didn't get your floor though yeah I was Um, looking at how clean those socks are that's impeccable uh, but yeah I feel like that's uh, (laughs) I feel like that's any industry you know you're going to have internal and external pressures and just kind of learning what is going to be required of you to manage those those expectations sage wisdom I no okay now I have another question so um, like talking about designing and sending your you have your sketches and you give them to Peter and he makes them yep. usable. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, my stuff is not usable. Yeah, Don't so be sorry. Then, <laughs> then how far has it gone before when you're like, actually, like 
I think this isn't cool. Like, how do you know what's cool and what's good enough to be on a shelf in your store? And like, when do you have to put your feelings and emotions aside and just be like, you know what, this isn't good or what I wanted or I don't think it's Mm going to work. You know what? There's been so many times where I have like designed for the need to put something out and I've made something that I really hated uh, like early on mm-hmm. you know we just you feel that need like like I talked about you're like oh we have to put something out it's summer we need it we need new tank tops because it's hot out um, and you don't actually think in terms of what you would wear like when you get dressed in the morning what's the first thing you do like after you put your outfit on what do you mean? Check you it look out. in the mirror? You yeah, check yeah. it out. You look in the mirror. You assess yourself, right? Like, you're, yeah. okay, yeah, this looks good. And if not, you're going to, like, take that shirt off because it doesn't go with those pants. You're going to throw it on your bed and hang it up in two weeks. Um, or three. Or three. <laughs> <laughs> or let it pile up on the couch, yeah. like my apartment. Uh, but you don't think like that when you're putting out product for the sake of putting out product. Right. So I've went as far as actually printing shirts, taking one off the shelf, putting it on for myself looking in the mirror and being like I hate this you know like and that is the worst feeling in the world like you get so tunnel vision and creating to the point where you made something that you don't like Um, when I was in college and doing Friday nights I was designing product for a culture that I wasn't even like uh, I guess like I was trying to make product that I wasn't wearing myself. Like I knew I wouldn't wear it myself and I was trying to design it. And, and there was such a disconnect there. Uh, yeah, no, I think when, when you have a good team of people and you can ask outside, you know, like for outside, uh, opinions, that's the best thing. And nobody around me will ever say yes to everything, right? Like that's, that's the beautiful thing too is if I have a crappy idea somebody will tell me like I can trust someone will say something or be like yeah I don't know or ah that's really that doesn't seem as original as we usually like to do things or you know um, and we're very concept driven like we really like to put out stuff that makes people think or or stuff that reflects our community so if if we put out a piece that I don't feel like now if we put out a piece that I don't feel uh, reflects like well uh, on our you know either our stance or whatever social issue we're trying to talk about like we won't put it out you know and uh, I know Peter's been frustrated with me in the past because I'm not a graphic designer and him and I'll sit there in the studio sometimes and I'm like can we can we change this one more time <laughs> you know just to make it perfect <laughs> um, yeah so it's uh, there's there's a fine line mm-hmm <laughs> So interesting. And it's also interesting that you're saying you're designing for like a community that is like at one point that was like not yours or not that you identified with. Because I feel like that is kind of how like there's a lot of men designers designing women's clothing. So yeah. it's kind of like you you were falling into that thing and then you kind of readjusted and it was like, wait, I want this to be like part of me and who I am. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, I was trying to like create something that I felt was expected out of out of me or out of a, out of a streetwear brand you know as opposed to just like creating from inside mm-hmm. like I was creating from outside and that's another tip I guess to you know creatives and entrepreneurs like start with start with you you know like start with the stuff that you like and put that out right like and that's why I think we're we're at where we are now because like I'm not we're not creating product for anybody else. We're creating stuff that we like, you know? Like, a lot of our stuff is, is based on friends. It's, you know, inspired by the the night at the studio that we had last week or, you know, the pair of crazy 3M camo pants that Peter skateboarded up to the shop in or, you know, stuff like we're like, yo, that is cool. Like, let's, let's do something like that. Or, you know, an issue or a, a thought that... that it, you know, is shared between a group of us. We're like, yo, let's like, I want to address this. Let's like find a clever way to do that. You know, 
Yeah, some of your shirts are pretty spicy. I would like walk past there, like <laughs> working the exchange, and I'd be like, "Whoa, heat!" Like that's we're not that's for, saying something. We're not for everybody. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that it wasn't. I was just no, saying like that's a that's bold to put it in the window. Like yeah, yeah, pretty pretty cool stuff. We uh, we had this one instance um, recently. We just did this trade show in Vancouver uh, to try and like beef up our wholesale accounts across Canada, and I. We had two graphic tees that I was unsure of. And we were on the craziest deadline ever because I said yes to this trade show six weeks before it happened. We had like, you know, less than two months to manufacture like 40 samples, shoot a lookbook, get out to Vancouver, make it all happen. And the day we were supposed to go to print on, on our graphic tees, the, well, the night before, I, I stayed up late and overthought every single thing. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. These are terrible. These are terrible. We can't do these. Uh, these aren't. I wouldn't wear this. This mm-hmm. is a poor reflection of our brand. Um, and it was, again, it was just a, they were forced ideas, you know. And those were the two forced ideas um, that you were trying to rush into, like, this six-week timeline. And I emailed uh, Corey at Floodway Print Co., who uh, they do all of our screen printing these days. They're great. Um that's a free one. Um, <laughs> and uh, I emailed him at like midnight. And I was like, dude, I got to make a change. Can I send you two new graphics in the morning? And we ended up burning two days because I had to, I had to change something. And I showed up to the studio the next morning. I'm like, Peter, oh, no. <laughs> like, do you have some time to help me out today? Like within the next few hours. And he was a rock star and we got these two new graphics out. But... It was going from, like, two things that I'm, like, I'm unsure about these to, like, full-blown panic mode to... But when I was, you know, at home panicking at 12 in the morning, I sketched out two new designs that I was, like, yo, these are going to be really cool. And, uh, yeah, we we made it happen, long story short, but... um, So really dedicated to that idea that, like, you need to love it. Yeah, it's auth- that's pretty amazing. Authenticity, right? Like, if if I don't like it, why do I expect you to like it? Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. Thank yeah, you. no worries. Thank you, guys. And thank, thank you, you for, for cutting, cutting deep, deep with us on, on Paper Cup Podcast. Podcast. Thanks. Thanks.